What's up, my fellow dream chasers? This is a special episode because it was recorded outdoors in the city of Minneapolis on what I call the couch of dreams. And the couch of dreams is basically an old crappy couch that we have at my brother's place on the patio. And we decided to name it the couch of dreams. And we have conversations on it because the couch has magic powers and it will make your dreams a reality. This is not proven yet, but we're getting it we're getting it tested and today's conversation was with neuroscientist Dr. Eric Reese. Eric has been a mentor for me throughout the months of 2020. He has taught me a lot about how the brain works against us and ways that we can utilize our minds and our brains to access a whole new wavelength of life. And so in this conversation we cover topics such as fear, mindfulness, happiness, what success looks like. And he really just shares a lot about what neuroscience looks like in action in our daily lives and how we can use it to better ourselves and to better the world around us. And so because this conversation was outside, you will hear some birds chirping in the background. Um, But the biggest thing you will hear is that we were right under um, the landing pad from the Minneapolis airport. So there's some planes flying by every now and then. So when you hear a little bit of noise, just know that that is an airplane, somebody uh, traveling around the world, even in this time. So that's what that noise is. So just be ready for it. Uh, besides that, audio is sounding A-OK. So without further ado, here is Dr. Eric Reese, my friend, neuroscientist and entrepreneur. You ready? Yeah, I'm good, man. Let's do it. Let's do it. <laughs> All right, everyone. We are out here at Bidet Makaska, Minneapolis, Minnesota. Me and Dr. Eric Reese. We are sitting on the couch of dreams. And it's lovely. Eric, how you doing, man? I'm doing, I'm doing so well. I'm doing so well. How are you doing? I'm doing great, man. It's a perfect way to start the day. Little out, first ever outdoor podcast. So this is, I mean, this is it right here. This is the dream. This is the spot. I mean, realistically. I mean, look at the view. Yeah, I mean... It couldn't get much better than this, man. Yeah. <laughs> so tell us a little bit about yourself. It's a little bit of background before we dive in here. Ah, oh, great question. How much time do we have on this again? That's <laughs> a, it's a, it's the first stop. So, um, yeah, I mean, I'm born and raised in the Midwest, um, and um, I was that kid who was a special child. Uh, when you know, in like kindergarten and like first grade, when everyone starts playing like soccer and you have these little kids running Mm -hmm. around like chasing after the soccer ball and stuff like that well as everybody else was running towards the soccer ball I was the kid running the exact opposite direction of that soccer ball chasing (laughs) after butterflies and insects and everything that was alive at some point yeah yeah I was (laughs) I was that kid and um you know honestly like I've I've looking back on my life like I'm super fortunate like I have always just been curious about life and and just yeah. like what makes people tick you know like I love people watching and yeah. so my you know my career started off with playing sports right so playing hockey and soccer growing up in the midwest and um being a buck 20 in high school lying on my hockey roster to be 145 <laughs> I, I know what it's like to get hit in the head I know what it's like to have concussions and stuff like that and so when I got into college and I got into grad school I really got just curious about the brain and 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 what makes us tick and how you know we all 
develop this sort of sense of who we are, who we want to become, how we you know build goals and, and dreams and stuff like that. And so um, when I was an undergrad, I studied exercise science, uh, sports performance, and just you know trying to figure out like how to be uh, the best I could be, right, physically. Mm-hmm. And, and as I started to get into it, I realized that there's so much more to this than just saying physically I want to be good, like mentally I want to be sound too. Mm-hmm. So I started getting into neurology and neuroscience, and I did a little research at the U uh, with a neurologist who looked at movement disorders and, and just brains of people who had different pathologies. And so when I got into chiropractic school, um, I was just infatuated by that. So I went and got my doctorate in chiropractic, um, moved out to Oregon, spent three years out there, got my neurology specialty out there. And uh, I've just, I've spent the last eight years of my life uh, working and treating uh, people who have complex neuro um, conditions, right? Parkinson's, mm-hmm. Alzheimer's, concussions, brain injuries. I mean, you name it, I've probably seen it. And that's for better and that's for worse. And one of the things I've realized is that no matter where you start, your brain can always possess the capability to change and get better mm. and improve. Mm. And I think that's so powerful. Yeah. You know, it wasn't until the 70s that we thought that we could actually change our brains. Yeah. Um, and even into adulthood or even in the later years of our lives. So, um, you know, realistically, I'm just super excited about trying to figure people out. Um, I'm just mm. always curious about how I can make people better, how I can make myself better, how I can change my brain, my body. And more importantly too, man, I want to age gracefully. And I think a lot of people do. Yeah. And yeah. I've seen people in their later years where they haven't had that luxury and I will never wish that upon anybody. So if I can do anything preventative to get somebody to be able mm. to live a good life, mm. I'm in on it. Yeah. I'm all in on it. Yeah. I mean, I know we share a lot of similarities on this, but I think it's so cool that like all the motivational rah-rah like live your life stuff (laughs) is like sort of now being backed with this like science and this like I mean I've heard of neuroplasticity is that kind of like the evolving of your brain but like all these things where it's just like oh if you do this like this is actually happening in your brain which means this will happen which means you're going to be happier now but you'll probably also live like 20 years longer and there's all these like longevity for me is a huge topic too and it's like this is so fascinating how we now can know like oh yeah, if you do mindfulness meditation every day, like this is what's going on in your head and we have hooked up, you know, brain scans to monks and like we're, we're learning what's happening inside of our head, which is literally insane that we can do that. Yeah, it's so <laughs> cool, right? I mean, it's just super cool. And, you know, one of the things that I continuously bring up is I hope that people carry that childhood curiosity about life into their later years of mm-hmm. life because you have to. And, and one of the coolest things about that too is when you're curious, like you're continuously learning and asking questions and that's the best way to keep your brain young and healthy. Yeah. Um, and speaking of neuroplasticity, I mean, that's that's just the, the, the knowledge and the term that we use to say your brain can change. But that's yeah. for better and that's for worse. I mean, mm-hmm. you look at people who've been in pain for years, that's a neuroplasticity working in a very negative way, right? It starts mm-hmm. off as a little pain in your low back. Well, if that just perpetuates over and over and over, like now you're literally rewiring neurons in your spinal cord and mm-hmm. your brain to tell your brain that you feel more pain, even though that painful stimulus that originally mm-hmm. started isn't there anymore. Right. right? And I can I've, go both ways. Yeah, I've seen those cases. Interesting. And those, those are a total trip. Um, but it can also work in a very, very beneficial way as well, too. Yeah. And that's what a lot of people talk about. I mean, even even the study of positive psychology and getting into the understanding of like happiness and like mm-hmm. what this does to our brains. Mm-hmm. We know that success comes as a result of you choosing and prioritizing happiness. 
happiness doesn't actually come from success. I think you can attribute less than 10% of your happiness to external outcomes, yeah. buying that new car, getting that new spouse, like whatever it is in your life. Mm -hmm. And so there are a lot of really cool studies uh, looking into just like positive psychology. Yeah. And it's really powerful because it just changes your brain. Yeah. And, and, and even just thinking about being happy can rewire your brain to change for better and not for worse. I mean, just think about how simple that is. Which is insane. And how easy it is to not do. Yeah. You know what I mean? So yeah. uh, it's cool, man. I, you know, neuroscience is still in its infancy. And mm -hmm. we've been studying it for hundreds of years. I mm -hmm. mean, even look at like Hippocrates, like 400 BC, like way before any of us were alive or even a thought. Yeah. Um, we were all looking at the brain and trying to figure out what was going on and, and what makes people do what they do. And I think that now that we have all of the technology in imaging and diagnostics and going and even doing like autopsies and understanding just how things are connected now, um, is super cool and it's it's fun to be alive right now because the brain is the final frontier. We'll never know everything about it. Yeah. That won't stop me from trying, oh, right? No because I will always want to know. <laughs> but it's just a great time to realize the impact that your thoughts can have on your mm. success in your life. Yeah. And when you understand the gravitude and the impact that that can have, everything changes. <laughs> I just got a shout out from a runner who said, for the boys, so we're having a good day. <laughs> the couch tracks everything. <laughs> the couch tracks everything. Um, dude, I mean, well, just going back, I mean, the power of knowing that your brain can change for better or worse, but just knowing that, I mean, because again, I find that to be super powerful because so many people would want to say, oh, we just are the way we are, mm -hmm. or, oh, this is just how I am, and this is how I'm wired. But to know that you can actually change something about that I think is very powerful. And the second thing, I remember when I first met you, we were sitting down for a beer. Uh-oh. And, and you said, you said, and I had never heard this, you said your brain can't tell the difference between an experience you had and something you just vividly thought about in your head. And so this idea of positive visualization or this idea of manifesting your dreams in your in your mind is actually a real thing because you're creating those what neuro associations at the proper word or neural connections and you're you're forming almost in a sense new memories because it's hard for your brain to distinguish between oh me and Eric talked on this couch compared to oh I just visualized us talking talking in my head over and over again and and it's hard for me to distinguish that and I think that's so cool because it that also again backs the power of like just some of these like mindfulness and, and, and manifestation, visualization sort of things that, you know, my basketball coach told me to do in like sixth grade, like imagine the ball going in the hoop and you're like, all right, dude, like, yeah, nice woo -foo whatever. Magic, right? But now it's like, oh, well maybe, maybe he was right. Like maybe yeah. there was something going on there. Yeah. I mean, look at your brain as a two way street, right? There's always information coming in, but there's always information going out. And with any experience that you have in your reality, what you're doing is you're taking all this information and your brain is just a big computer, right? Inputs and outputs. And I always talk about just how they should kind of match up to a point. A lot of times they don't. Your expectations of an event aren't even close to what actually happens. And that's when your brain's always trying to have this consistent yeah. error correction going on. Mm. The coolest thing, though, is that when you imagine yourself, let's say, shooting a basketball, right? I mean, Michael Jordan did this over and over and over again. I mean, he was neurotic with how mm. often he would just play these things through in his mind. 
And, and the cool thing with, with all that is we now know uh, when we're looking at these studies and different types of diagnostics, we can look into the brain and see activity, PET scans, um, you know, CT scans, stuff like that. Uh, we know you're, you're actually firing all the neural connections in your brain to execute that task. You're just not firing the last position to fire all those muscles to do the activity. So you can rewire your brain and promote plasticity and, and promote like the ability to become more efficient with you even just running through these different activities in your mind. You're mentally rehearsing the activity that you want to have happen. Yeah. And the cool thing with that as well is your brain's kind of hallucinating a bit. You are yeah. genuinely hallucinating your reality in some way, shape, or form. Creating a bit of a delusion. Throughout the day. Yeah. Consistently. Yeah. And, and, and that just takes you down a completely different path. And once you start getting down this rabbit hole of neuropsychology and you start getting into some harder sciences like even like string theory with physics and understanding just how energy and vibrations work. I mean, we're all just walking and talking frequencies. It's just for some reason or another, yeah. we're constructing our reality to physically be here, sitting on the couch, holding a microphone, having a conversation with another human, but we don't really know. Yeah, man, I love that. Yeah. I absolutely <laughs> love that. And so I know I want to get into like some of your takes. We talked about happiness before we started here sure. and just the science behind that. But coming back to the visualization, and I think we've talked about this before, is in that happiness course I took from the Yale professor, they talked about this WOOT method, which is basically stands for wish, outcome, obstacles, and then plan. And so what they talked about is the downfalls, because this, the, the girl, the woman who made this book was kind of an anti, uh, like positive thinking. She's sure. like, positive thinking can't be the only answer, right? And they actually came up with a cool like second piece to it, because she did the research. She's like, okay, now actually positive thinking is really cool because you can form these new, kind of ideals about how you want your day to go and you can set intention about it and your brain starts to see it but she said the issue is is what happens when reality doesn't happen how you planned it and so if you're Michael Jordan and you're imagining yourself making every shot and you go out there and you miss your first 10 shots what do you do all of a sudden your your visualization your plan for reality is totally fucked up game off yeah right? it's totally gone mm -hmm. and so they created this whoop method because they said basically what you can do and you can do it for small like daily things or big like life projects trying to decide like do I take the entrepreneur route or do I do this other route and your wish is basically like okay like what do I want to manifest and the outcome is how is this going to look and then you kind of look at the obstacles and you say okay what are and obviously you can't predict every obstacle in life but in, in your day maybe you start to have repeating patterns like well usually if someone does this to me I get upset mm -hmm. or usually if I, my day doesn't go good, it's because I did I hit the snooze button and I didn't do my morning routine. Or usually if you know, if I screw this up, my self-talk starts going negative. And then you create little tiny plans for all those things. And so for me, <laughs> I used it because I have a fucking snooze button problem, dude. <laughs> I had a snooze button problem. You and me, bro. You but and I me both, know dude. I know that my mornings are way better if I don't do it and yeah. I do my morning routine. And mm. so I um, made a plan my obstacle is a snooze button and the, or the obstacle was the voice in my head that said you can go back to bed yeah so what I did is I put my alarm clock on the side of the room and I would stand up shut it off and I would just sit in the chair at my desk instead of laying back in the bed and that was my plan and so now I still feel like I want to go back to bed but I'm sitting in my desk 
And so eventually I'm like, all right, you're up, let's go. Yep. And so that can be applied in a lot of cool ways too. I think about, I mean, basketball too, right? You could do that in basketball. You could do it in entrepreneurship. You could do it in any part of your day, big little thing as a way to use positive thinking and also think about the obstacles. And then you're kind of like, you got both sides of the spectrum and you're going into it with like yeah. a full toolkit. Well, here's the thing. I mean, reality is going to hit you in one way or another. And there are yeah. so many things that you can't control. You have to be able to be resilient mm. with regards to that. And your mindset has to be resilient too. And I'm a huge fan of stoicism for yeah. that reason, which yeah. is essentially saying, understand what you can control. And then everything else outside of your locus of control, just go with it. Right? Mm-hmm. You can't, mm-hmm. I can't tell you what's going to happen after we get off this couch. What if, mm-hmm. what if one of us gets in an auto accident? What if one of us finds out that a, a loved one is no longer with us? What if one of us finds out we just won the lottery? I don't even buy tickets for the lottery. I mean, that'd be <laughs> yeah. amazing, yeah, right? Yeah, me either. <laughs> that'd be so awesome. Great. Sign <laughs> me up. I can, I can hang out with that. You know, and, and, you know, reality is just unpredictable. Yeah. So you have to have a buffer zone and you have to be able to mentally rehearse things that may happen. Mm-hmm. Um, when you look into stoicism and, and getting into, you know, Greek philosophy and, and how Romans did it, like great, great philosophers like Marcus Aurelius and Epictetus and, and all of these really smart people who were light years ahead of their time came from very different backgrounds. Marcus Aurelius was like a Roman emperor. He was a ruler of... of if, if, let's put it this way. He's kind of like the Jeff Bezos of today. If Jeff Bezos was president of the world, but yeah. also ran Amazon, right? Yeah. Very wealthy, very influential, very powerful, yet he was still a servant leader to the people. Mm-hmm. And I think that was so brilliant and, and, and amazing, first of all, because that's not easy to do. Yeah. And second of all as well, I mean, that wasn't cool back then. That was very different. He was going against mm-hmm. the grind. You look at the life of uh, a servant like Epictetus. He had some of the same philosophies that Marcus Aurelius did, talking about controlling what you can control, uh, you know, buffering your mind with thoughts and preparing yourself for like, uh, they call it amor fati, which is essentially saying, um, you know, you at some point will die, right? You yeah. will at some point uh, struggle, you will have some failures. And so if you prepare yourself mentally for those, they're not going to be as bad as they are in the real world. I mean, think about how many times we have mentally rehearse this situation of oh I have to have this hard conversation or I have to go and do this task and I know it's going to suck and you just rehearse it and you make it to be so much worse in your mind than it actually turns out to be in reality I mean we suffer more often in imagination than we do in reality and why do we do that to ourselves, right? Yeah. I mean, you're dealing with a 40,000-year-old brain stuck in the 21st century with all of these new stressors and you know, technology and social media and all these things that we never had before, but the brain's still the same. I mean, you can still use some of these very true and, and time-tested values and principles that people have come up with before you. Mm. And I find myself, the older that I get, the more I really look into history to try and learn lessons for the future hmm. because history often repeats itself as a lot of people have said before yeah but the importance of that is you can learn a lot about the mindset of people who have come before us because 100%. a lot of people have had some really good ideas and really true perceptions of reality and how to battle through that uh, the difference today is that we have all the information at our fingertips with the touch of an iphone or going on your laptop so 
you know, you can get caught in some of the same things that people got caught in thousands of years ago from a cognitive and mental standpoint. You just have to understand that the power to take control is in your mind it's in your thoughts mm. and if you start cultivating that it's like it's like building up strength and stamina on your muscles it's mm. the same thing for you mentally yeah and to yeah. even combat that i mean what do you think's helping you build that strength and stamina on your muscles your brain right yeah. i mean go have a conversation with a cadaver that has all the muscles all the joints all the tissues all the organs you're not going to get very far because yeah. you don't have an intact brain and yeah. that's, that's why it's the final frontier is because that controls everything. It controls your thoughts. It controls your hormones. It literally can control everything in your body. And it can even control immune responses. Mm. So, you know, for me, I've, I've, I've nailed it down to what I really want to figure out is I want to figure out the brain. But more importantly, I want to figure out how I can show other people to maximize their brains and their bodies, to maximize their business, to maximize their life, to maximize whatever they're going after. Because yeah. when you understand the gravity, the magnitude of the power of those statements, all bets are off. And anything is literally possible. And that's where things become really exciting. Woo! Did you hear that, Minneapolis? Anything's possible. <laughs> <laughs> Anything is possible. It's the truth. Uh, so, back to the point. Um, yeah, so I wanted to mention that when you said people suffer way more before or after something than actually during something. So Richard Davidson is one of my favorite ne favorite neuroscientists. He's from University of Wisconsin-Madison. And he's actually on one of these Netflix shows. I think it's called like The Mind Explained or oh, yeah, Behind yeah. the Mind or something yep. like that. And so they're studying this monk and he's been practicing you know, mindfulness meditation for his entire life. And what they found super fascinating is that when they were testing his pain sensors, basically most people, they say, would have very high pain sensors. If I told you, hey, Eric, in an hour, I'm going to burn you with like something. I'm going to burn your skin. That's going to happen in an hour. Mm -hmm. And so most people would sit there and be like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, I'm going to, I'm going to get burned by something. And then when it actually happens, you, you kind of, you feel it. And then you're kind of freaking out about it again afterwards. Mm -hmm. you're, you're thinking about it and it's, it almost scars you a bit. Whereas in this monk, they said they're like the levels and the, like the amygdala, amygdala triggers were so low. But when the, when it actually happened, like the comparing to the person who was just thinking about it, the pain was higher during the event because the monk was more tuned into his actual experience. But then before and after, there was very low fear. And so I thought about that and I'm like, man, this person, this monk who's been meditating all his years basically has figured out that I'm going to have my emotions and my feelings be a result of what's actually happening to me. And so they use mindfulness meditation to, and Richard Davidson also says like there's four quadrants of the mind that relate to lasting well-being. I don't know if this would go against or with your research, but one, he said, the ability to maintain positive states, the ability to recover from negative states, and then the third one was um, the ability to control the mind, and the fourth one was basically like generosity, like doing kind things for others. Yeah. And so controlling the mind literally had, he said, mindfulness meditation. Like that's, that's how you can control mind wandering. That's how you can keep yourself in the state. And I was like, dude, this is insane. Like this research blows my mind. By simply meditating, we can learn to control our mind, focus, be present, be engaged, stay true to the experiences we're actually having. I mean, I was like, wow, this is, this is like, this is mind. If you're a nerd about this stuff, this is like mind blowing <laughs> stuff. It's the coolest thing though, is it's real. And people have been meditating for 
thousands of years. Yeah. Right? So it's amazing to me that we're finally on the cusp of saying, oh, well, this is validated because we have imaging now to back it up. I mean, they've they've done studies where if you put somebody in a mindfulness program for eight weeks, you can see changes in the volume of, of your cortex, of the gray matter in the brain, which is where we all live consciously. And what happens with meditation as well, too, is you're, you're increasing the volume of specific areas that help you become more mindful, control your thoughts, be more aware of yourself and others, that emotional intelligence mm-hmm. um, aspect. But on top of that, too, you actually shrink your amygdala. So your fear is going down. So your fear centers are no longer as heightened or they're no longer as aware of things that are going on. Now, you're never going to get rid of it, right? That's a very important area of the brain. If you and I are starting to learn a new task or you start, uh, you know, experiencing something new with your life, like the amygdala is going to light up because it should. It's a stress center response. It's, an, it's a, a center of arousal, as they would say. Mm-hmm. There's, a, there's a ton of connections with dopamine circuits and things along those lines. But the problem with that is if you continuously fire it and fire it and fire it, it starts to shut down your cognitive processing centers, specifically with your frontal lobe. And with meditation, what you're really doing is you are using these higher centers of the brain, specifically within the frontal lobe, um, you know, different parts like the ventral medial prefrontal cortex, areas like that, mm-hmm. to go in and, and really just cycle through and say, hey, we're going to reinforce these different circuits, these different thoughts, these different emotions, these different feelings to make them more frequent in our lives. And that's what meditation really is. You're not shutting off your thoughts because that's impossible. It's, it's really impossible. And I think a lot of people have a very skewed perception of what meditation actually oh, is. 100%, you're, yeah. you're guiding your thoughts through a process or you are calming down different mm-hmm. areas. Instead of you having the, mm-hmm. oh no, oh no, oh no moment, you're saying, okay, mm-hmm. I'm okay here. I'm yeah. okay where I am. Yeah. And, and it's the slow process. And people who are really experts, like monk experts, they will get into a state that a lot of people really can't get into. Yeah. And what they start doing is in deep meditative states, they start to mimic the brains of people who are on psychedelics. And what's going on is, and this is where it gets really it's funky. Yeah. yeah. This is where it gets really, really interesting. Because what they're doing is they are allowing different areas of the brain to start talking to each other. So, for instance, we've got a ton of planes flying over us, right? Mm-hmm. You know, Minneapolis airport talks to JFK. JFK talks to Minneapolis. But those two airports also talk to LAX. They also talk to Atlanta. They also talk to Detroit, right? So you have these major hubs that are always in contact with each other, right? But what happens is Minneapolis is in contact with Bismarck, North Dakota, my home city, right? (laughs) Not a lot. Shout out North Dakota. What's up, (laughs) ND? 701-612 connection. Um, So Minneapolis is connected to North Dakota, but not at the frequency of any of the other airports. What happens in deep meditation or what happens with some of these psychedelics that people are starting to experiment with clinically is that now Minneapolis talks to Bismarck, but Bismarck now talks to LAX. Bismarck now talks to Atlanta. Bismarck now talks to JFK. Mm -hmm. And so you have these different hubs of neural networks starting to talk to each other. And that's where these different perceptions, these different thoughts, these different emotions, these different life-altering experiences start playing a role with each other. And the coolest part about that is your brain has changed afterwards. And it's not just like, oh, for a minute. Like these are like hours, days, weeks, months. Like we're talking about significant changes and advances and your brain's ability to change for better in a majority of the situations. They still have to figure out how to pay, take people through guided you know, medical treatments and things like that. But mm. 
depression, um, different types of mental disorders, anxiety, PTSD, all of these things are showing some really, really unique mm. outcomes as a result of the use. Now, I don't know where we're going to be with the use of psychedelics, but I'll tell you this, it's not going to cost you anything and it's not going to hurt you if you start meditating yeah. or if you start being more mindful or if you start yeah. just even just taking time throughout your day to use gratitude. One mm. of the simplest things that you can do right now is literally just go at the end of the day or even the beginning of the day, whenever you want to do it, just say three things that you are grateful for or three things that happened to you either the day before or the day of that you were grateful for or that you were happy about. This will wire your brain to perceive more happiness. Mm. Uh, we've talked about this before, yeah, right? Yeah, the science is so cool. Yeah, so, you know, the your, your brain to a point hallucinates your reality, but you're looking for things in your reality now. So let's say you go out and buy a new car. You're going to get a brand new Volvo, right? And you're like, this is so cool. This car's awesome. Nobody's got it. And all of a sudden you're looking at the Volvo and you leave the dealership and you're like, dang, there's a lot of Volvos on the road. Yeah. Well, they were there before. Your brain's just now more aware and more consciously apt to see those Volvos because yeah. of the fact that you're more aware of it. Uh, the Dunning-Bruger effect is what it's known as psychologically. And mm. uh, it's, it's a really important thing because what your brain is looking for it will find right if i have you close your eyes so powerful. and i have you look for something that's red right close your eyes close your eyes close your eyes looking for red looking for red you open up you're gonna look for everything that's red but then if i ask you well look for something that's purple you're gonna be like well i don't see a lot of purple but there's purple on your shirt right you're missing out on things because your brain is choosing to be aware of some things over others and that's yeah. why coming back to the power of like positivity and happiness the more you cultivate your brain to be optimistic, to be positive, to be mindful, and to be open to these things, the more you're going to see it. Yeah. Same thing for success, right? If yeah. you think, if you're looking for success, you're looking for these triggers, these thoughts, these emotions, you're going to start seeing more success. You're going to start building up that resiliency and start finding it all over the place. You're going to become optimistic and money and, and clients and whatever you're looking for are going to start following you because you just, you see them more. You're yeah. more aware of that, right? Yeah. Uh, kind of if you're a hammer, you're looking for a nail. And it's kind of the same thing along those lines of when you're exposed and you're looking for it, you will, you will find that. Mm. It's not that easy to say, oh, everything's going to be wished into my reality because it's not how life works. But right. those slow steps will snowball into that big cascade where now you've got a lot of momentum rolling for you. Mm. And people can change really mm. quickly. I've seen it clinically. I've seen it with clients. I've seen it with businesses. And so when you get into that realm and you understand the impact that this can have, it's life-changing. It can yeah. change so many facets of our lives. And the hard part with it is it's just so easy to not do and it's yeah. just so easy to do. Yeah. People just have to prioritize it and get into the habit of that. And that's where self-discipline yeah. comes in. Just like you waking up in the morning, it's not easy to do to break that habit. But when you do, it's very freeing and very enlightening. Mm. Yeah. Man, I think a lot about because this idea of the things that we don't want to do because there's pain involved and there's, you know, there's uh, discomfort and, and stress and and it's funny because I thought about it in a, you know, working out sense. Like, not everyone, but a lot of people work out. A lot of people work out. And they've accepted that to be healthy, to have a fit body, they have to put themselves through some physical pain. And they've accepted that. That To them, it, it doesn't feel like pain. It feels like I'm bettering, I'm bettering myself. I'm becoming better. Yet, in a lot of categories of life, I think from even conversations with people to experiencing negative emotions and instantly wanting to get rid of them to following a career path it's not the same psychology it's not the same mindset and I remember I have a mindfulness coach I've worked with and she said 
Like, Timmy, you already have all the skills you need. You just apply them in different areas of your life. Like, this mindset you have with entrepreneurship, like, take that. Take that, I believe in my purpose and I'll figure out the how and put that in other parts of your life. Or take this part of your workouts where you know you're going to feel pain. And when you feel pain in your mind and your experiences, like, understand that that's actually bettering you. It's actually going to teach you something or take you somewhere. And I found that to be so cool because it's, it's just a, it's just a, we always want to get rid of those negative thoughts, those negative emotions, negative experiences. But those are the things that like our brain is speaking to us. Like mm-hmm. the, the Bismarck to the 612 to the 704? 701. 701. <laughs> Whole like state, it's like, by the way. it's speaking to us, right? It's saying, okay, you feel pain. Is this a true emotion? Like, should I be feeling pain or is my brain kind of lying to me? Okay, no, actually maybe it's telling me something. Was it trying to tell me? And it's like you're befriending that emotion. That's what all these, I like when monks say that. I'm befriending my anger. But it's like, you know, you're... <laughs> it's a graceful way to say, yeah, I don't feel like I want to do this. It feels like shit. I mean, you yeah. know, we had a talk here last week where I was like, dude, man, this George Floyd killing all this stuff is having my mm-hmm. brain go crazy. I'm not trying to say that myself or you have this just <clears throat> figured out, but mm-hmm. it's it's a mindset. And it's been easier for me to at least snap back in like if I have a bad day a bad week bad couple weeks I still know that okay like I'm still I'm still consciously trying to even if you can't control it but I'm still consciously trying to be like okay how can I get myself back in that peak state so I can keep moving forward and keep doing things and so I you do this stuff is just again I'm just I can nerd out about this stuff forever (laughs) well look at it this way I mean pain usually equals progress because if you're not trying to make progress or be better, you're probably not going to feel that pain. If you're comfortable, 100%. if you're hanging out, if you are content, if you're not challenging anything, you're probably not going to feel pain as frequently as those other people. Mm-hmm. Taking risks involves pain, yeah. whether it's physical pain, mental pain, financial pain, whatever you want to look at it. And I think your analogy is really important because, you know, in sports, no pain, no gain, right? Everyone's right. talking about you got to push yourself. You got to push yourself. Mm-hmm. Well, what are you doing to your body with a workout? You're stressing the heck out of your brain, out of your muscles, out of your tissues. And then you recover. Mm-hmm. And then the next time you encounter all of those same stimuli, you're more resilient. You're better. Yeah. You're better off, yeah. right? So if you aren't feeling pain, mm-hmm. if you aren't struggling in some way, shape, or form, you're not advancing your agenda. And more importantly, too, That's good. if you aren't experiencing those moments you're really not going to get to where you want to go mm-hmm. and that's not saying that you aren't there yet some maybe some people have it all figured out i hope that i never have everything figured out and it sounds weird to say but that means if i have everything figured out i'm not growing i'm not changing mm-hmm. i'm not learning you're anymore plateaued. i've i've plateaued or, or anytime you think you have it all figured out the problem with that is things don't stay static things are so dynamic and mm. and humans think linearly they don't think like in, in a compound fashion right even with with COVID or even with financials right I mean warm I think it was Warren Buffett who said that you know compound interest is the eighth wonder of the world because it is and that's powerful uh, knowledge can be that way too I mean you look at how many connections you have in your brain and and how things can exponentially grow and change and you can become a different person we all have different seasons of our lives mm. um, you have to understand that things that are Things that hurt instruct. They give us guidance, right? If I put my finger on a stove and it burns me, I'm probably not going to do that again. Mm-hmm. Now, if I do it again, that's on me. 
Mm-hmm. I need to learn from that experience. Now, you may be in pain, but if those pains that you're experiencing are different and you're, you're doing different things, you're trying different things out, you're going to bring your sights in to be a little bit more specific next time. And maybe that's what helps guide you along the path to finding that success that you're looking for. And, uh, you know, pain sucks. There's nothing, there's nothing else to say about it. I mean, it's not yeah. fun to experience that. But when you look at it and change your perspective, saying pain is instructing or teaching me something about the situation or the decisions that I made, you can use it as fuel to your fire. Yeah. And you, you experience pain for a reason. It's, it's a very important uh, mechanism that we have neurologically mm-hmm. to help us survive. Yeah. So you're not going to get rid of it anytime soon. So good luck with that. <laughs> you might as well own it. You might as well use it to benefit you. And you can change your perspective on all of that stuff and, and completely change the way that you look at it. Yeah. Yeah. I remember, I think this was Tony Robbins, the same thing that you say when you're like, the brain is super old and it's, it's wired to be, it's wired for pain. It's wired for negativity and fear because when we were actually like living in the wild and, you know, fighting, like the risk of death was mm-hmm. very high. Like these sensors were way more important. It kept you safe. Kept you safe. Kept you alive. And now we're living in, you know like beautiful homes and in a city and I mean you know it's we don't need that as much but our brains still there's still a function there you know there's still a but it but it's also it goes into the saying the the reason why the gratitude and all the different stuff is important because you're kind of teaching yourself to see that positive more and more because even though fear is still prevalent it's not like I mean yeah we could die at any moment I you know I believe that too but it's not like there's going to be like a wild animal who's going to come up on you and probably kill you anytime like in the next couple hours yeah. here, right so there's that like really that really like like human outdoors like nature like fear isn't really there but it still exists in our heads right it's still mm-hmm. we're still wired like that so it's Yeah. Well, you and, and the hard part with this too coming back to our reality and you know how, how we're understanding how the brain really hallucinates a lot of the things that, that, that we experience. And, you know, there's so many things that your brain is aware of, but you cognitively are only aware of things that you're really focused on, right? Mm. I mean, classic example, mm. like you're wearing a hat right now. Did you forget at any moment while we were talking that you were wearing a hat? Probably, 100%, right? Yeah. And so it's the, it's the silly thing of like, Honey, where's my hat? Where's my hat? And she's like, well, it's on your head, you doofus. And you're like, oh, yeah, I forgot about that, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, brains ignore constant stimuli. Yeah, so yeah. And that's for better and that's for worse. And I think one of the really interesting things with just how we're wired is that we're, we're wired for success. We're wired to survive. I mean, think of us as a species. We've survived mm. and we've completely owned earth and all of this evolution and things that we've we've had over the last you know years decades millennia all of this stuff what makes you think today whoever you are living in 2020 what makes you think that you can't do the things that your ancestors did the hard part is your brain can't tell the difference between a bear and a boardroom Mm. you still have the same fight or flight response the same fear outcomes things along those lines the best part about that, though, is you can train your brain to understand that there is a difference. And you can train your brain just by understanding how powerful your thoughts are and changing that. Mm. And so there's a lot of opportunity for people to change their life f- for far better, no matter what situation they're in. And there are people who have come from far less than you and I have, who've accomplished far more than you and I have in the short mm. periods of their lives. Um, 
what makes them different? They believed. More importantly, too, they pushed the boundaries of their mm. brains, of their bodies, and more importantly, of their thoughts. Yeah. Uh, what the mind can conceive, the mind will believe, and you will start manifesting things. And I'm not saying, hey, I want to, you know, see a Ferrari pull up into, you know, pull up on the grass over there. Like that's that's unrealistic. But to a point, um, can I start seeing things slowly on a daily, weekly, monthly basis of saying, yep, I want to have more success. Yep, I want to make more money. Yep, I want to be mm-hmm. happier. Yep, I want to, you know, whatever goal it is, you, you can have those things come to you. You have to work hard. There's nothing that's going to ever replace that. And growing up in the Midwest, we know that hard work will always pay off. But mm. uh, I know people who work really, really hard who still don't get to achieve those goals. You have to have intention. You have to have the thoughts upstairs, yeah. too, to be able to, to get all that to go through. And, you know, I, I don't think that I have all the right answers. And I don't think that I will ever have all the right answers. But one of the things I will mm. always do is I will always think differently. And I will always be different. And for that, I will hopefully always bring some value to the table to challenge the status quo of what we think we know today. Yeah. One of my favorite podcasts uh, is The Drive by Peter Atia. So Peter Atia is an MD who talks about the brain, neurology, supplementation, just like life and health. And he just wants to like figure out how to, to live a healthy life for as long as possible. And my favorite quote of all time is one of his. And he said, uh, every fact has a half-life. And I love that mm. because what we know today mm. could be completely debunked tomorrow, next week, next month, next year. And that's okay because yeah. we're always learning and getting better and challenging that. If you think you have it all figured out, your cup is completely full and there's no way for you to fill it up anymore. And I find that very unfortunate for so many reasons. One, you think you've got it all figured out and you're, you're not growing, you're not changing, you're not getting better. Number two, things that you know today could be wrong tomorrow, right? I mean, we're no longer bloodletting as a therapy, yeah. right? We're no longer uh, giving people frontal lobotomies through the nose. We're no longer uh, doing these things in medicine that we thought years ago, many years ago, some mm. unfortunately sooner than, than further, yeah. that we thought were really beneficial for health. And there are a lot of issues with that. There are a lot of paradigms that we've had to shatter with that because we've learned and we've grown. And yeah. if you're not challenging the way that you think, then you need to get new friends. You need to surround mm. yourself with different people. And more importantly, too, you need to realize that you're stuck. Yeah. And to get out of that, you literally just have to take action and you have to move and change. And uh, I've brought this up before, too. You know, movement uh, is really the language of the brain. And Annette Benil came up with that quote, and I, lo- I love it. It's brilliant because uh, they, there's a reason babies move in the womb, right? They're, they're driving their brains and their nervous system, but they're figuring out how to navigate the world. And it's the same thing for us. And that's why movement is so powerful for, uh, for humans. It doesn't have to be just physical movement, but any sort of movement or action with your mind, with your thoughts, with taking risks can be so impactful for changing your brain. And um, I think it's a really underutilized system or process uh, that very few people really understand the magnitude of how impactful it can be for their lives. Yeah. Okay, follow-up number one. Uh, It reminded me of a Neil deGrasse Tyson quote, or at least I heard him say it, which he said, Know enough to think that you know everything, but be careful because if you start to know too much, you're going to understand that you know nothing. Mm-hmm. And that just reminded me of your like half-life quote because he's like, just the more you dive into this world, and the more you, it, it humbles you because yeah. I've learned so much, but at the same time, when you actually start to look into the weeds of existence, you're like, whoa. I am a speck on the piece of this huge mm-hmm. puzzle. And so it creates, at least for me, this kind of cool, like, okay, I can always learn because there is infinite knowledge 
and it's also humbling a bit because you're like, all right, you know, I don't know everything, and yeah. I and I never probably will, and and you don't have to walk around with that ego pretending like you are like the the perfect. I mean, you want to have a positive self-esteem, but like you know, you're the perfect human being, and nobody else is right, and you can't learn from anybody else, and you're just going to be this kind of like arrogant sort of asshole walking around <laughs> in existence, right? Um, but the other comment you made, you know, about how I think about this a lot, people a lot less fortunate than us have made it to really far places. And, you know, this is going to sound maybe a little bit privileged, but, you know, I think one of the biggest things that stops people in, like, we'll just say the middle to upper class is people who are kind of just content with life is the fact that they're not really tuned into either their pain or their or their big goals, mm-hmm. right? Because I think that people who are in a, a, a spot where like they feel like they need to make a change or their life will literally suck forever, they're motivated like that. They're connected with their pain, right? And then like Mark Metry, the guy on LinkedIn, he's like, dude, I was suicidal and fat and overweight and I was probably gonna die. Like mm-hmm. I needed to grow. Yeah. And then some people have a huge vision for the world and their necessity i think my necessity is driven out of i feel like i owe it to the world based Mm -hmm. off of the stuff i was given and the skills i have if i don't play into that vision then i'm going to be letting the world down but if you don't have that and you're not in touch with your pain then you can just sit in this middle zone where you're like I'm going to try something. Ooh, that didn't feel too good. And I don't really know why I even did that. So I'm going to go back to my middle zone and I'm going to do this or I'm going to go back to my middle zone. And, yeah. and so when I think about like the dream chasing journey and being an entrepreneur or just, just growing in general, it's like, I think you have to be really in touch with either your big vision or you have to be in touch with like what you're trying to get yourself out of because you don't have either of those things. Then you're always going to just use, I mean, we live in a pleasure based world. You're always going to be able to use, you know, mindless whether it's social media you know netflix all these things aren't bad at nature but you can use them you know alcohol drugs to fill your void you can use it to fill the void and and you'll never be able to truly make change so i feel like the people who make the most change in the world either have clear visions or they have a clear like pain they're trying to run from well look at both of those too those are motivators right i mean if you want to change the world and you're crazy enough to think you can you probably will if you come from a situation where let's say you are less fortunate or you have had stress in your life for a long time. I mean, you want to do anything and everything you can to get out of that. Mm-hmm. And and you look at society as a whole and, um, you know, getting more into uh, conversations about, you know, lower socioeconomic status individuals and the, the, the routes that they choose to try and make by and stuff like that. Um, I'd do anything I could at that point too to try and make a change in my life, 100%. try and make extra money or help my family out or do whatever. And that's tough. I mean, mm. I think one of the big things that I'm finding out is just just the idea that you can change. The idea that your willpower is power mm. for you. Mm. It genuinely is. Um, they used to think um, that... So, so there's this theory in psychology called ego depletion. And um, Dan Ariely writes about it in his book. Uh, we talked about just like kind of like why we lie essentially Mm. i forget the name of his title but he brought up the fact that you know like mark zuckerberg and um some like really well-known ceos they just wear the same clothes every day right and people are like well why do you like why do you do that or you know why is it a cotton shirt or like is that a really expensive shirt it's not they just they wear the same clothes every day because they don't want to waste 
their energy and their cognitive bandwidth on making simple decisions that really don't have an impact. Yeah. They're better off figuring out if, you know, Libra is going to actually be a real, uh, you know, cryptocurrency. They're better off figuring out, okay, well, what do we do with all these scandals with these Facebook ads that we're having problems with? Mm -hmm. they're, they're better off making decisions with the bandwidth that they have instead of figuring out what kind of shoes they're going to wear. If you automate some of these things, and this is where habits come into play, the, the more you do something, the more efficient it becomes and the less your brain really has to think about it. I mean, think about driving to work every day. Mm -hmm. Some days I get to work and I'm like, how the hell did I get here? What did I do? I was too busy listening to my podcast or I was too busy listening to my audiobook. That's a good thing, right? I was still safe, still putting my blinker on, <laughs> still doing everything. I wasn't speeding. But it was just... Right? It's an automated process, right? It's habits, right? Mm -hmm. You don't have to put too much bandwidth into thinking about how to brush your teeth in the morning or even like trying to ride a bike anymore. You just, you do it because you've done it so many times. So it's the same thing. But that theory has been debunked and disputed. The beautiful part of neuroscience is we're always learning more about things. And what they know now is that if you believe you can do something, you can. If you believe you have the willpower to do something, you can. And uh, they did a study with 112 entry-level accountants. And they, they did an aptitude test to say, what do you think you're capable of fulfilling? What do you think you're capable of doing? And what they found out is at the end of the study when they did the same test about like year-end reports and reviews and things like that what they realized is that those who believed they could or those who believed they were the top were the top regardless of the skill set that they had coming in regardless of the experiences that they had coming in regardless of how long they were in their role the fact that if you believe you can you will is such a powerful predictor of success and happiness mm. and that's why the argument comes into play about, well, does success come first or does happiness come first? If you wait for an external event or if you wait for a day or an activity or someone to come in your life to make you happy, it's probably never going to happen because your mm. mind, once again, hallucinates and perceives these things and thinks it can be way better than it is. Mm. And uh, the problem with that is it's, it's backwards. Your happiness and your ability to be optimistic and to think and to do things, uh, especially from a standpoint of fulfillment, comes first. And what we know neurologically is if you and I were in a stressed state of mind, we know what, what stress does to the brain. It, it takes our ability to really critically think and have great thoughts and emotions and feelings. And it puts all of this energy towards the back part of our brain and towards your amygdala to say, you got to get out of here. This is a life or death situation. This is fight or flight. This is a stress response. You take all the blood away from your gut and you throw it to big major muscle groups for you to get out and, and like fight flight or else you're going to freeze like a deer. Right? I mean, those are the three outcomes that you have. The problem with that is it, that takes away your ability to critically think. And people who are in negative narcissistic states or uh, they're angry or they have anxiety or they're emotional, they can't make decisions as well because you're dealing with, once again, a very, very, very old brain stuck in the 21st century. Mm. And the positivity and the powerful of happiness and mindfulness is that when you're open, you engage the frontal lobe, you engage these critical thinking centers, and you can think of more things. You can be more creative. You can have more resilience in your thought. You can come up with different scenarios. You can combine different ideas and, and things along those lines to come up with new opportunities and new ways to, to solve problems. So there's a huge advantage for people in business and finance, even doctors to be able to come into uh, a treatment room and thinking positive about that. Um, it's so powerful. It's just so easy to do that it's so easy not to do. And once again, it comes wow. down to habits and being yeah. aware. And there's a lot of people who just don't know this stuff too. I mean, yeah. there's there's a lot of woo-foo out there and there's a lot of right. stuff that um, you know sounds great in theory, but it's not really true. Um, so 
you know, I don't blame people for that. I think we just need more people educating. And for me, you know, doctor is Latin for teacher to teach. Uh, doctors are not doing a very good job teaching. And the problem with a lot of my patients coming into the office and the problem mm-hmm. with a lot of the clients that I'm starting to interact with is they don't even have the knowledge to ask the questions to get the answers that they're looking for. Mm-hmm. It's a fundamental flaw yeah. in their ability to even think about a question that they even want to an- get an answer for. Yeah. So where do we start? Well, we start with education. We start with empowering people to understand this stuff. And then we start having the fun conversations. I'm not going to be right. Things I said today might be wrong tomorrow, next week, next month. Maybe they were wrong a week ago and I don't even know about it, right? Right. I'm okay with that right. because as long as somebody calls me out on it and they educate me, cool. That's a new chapter in my book and I will gladly own that. Mm. But I'm also a bit of a pitbull because there's a lot of stuff that I've studied and looked at that a lot of people just aren't aware of right. or it's new research or it's relevant today and people are still stuck 15, 20, 30, 40 years ago. And yeah. we have to break those bad habits yeah. and I have to break them and you have to break them and we're continuously trying to do that and that's mm. why we get to have these conversations. Yeah. And hopefully... Uh, these conversations just really spur people to really think differently. If any, if they got yeah. anything out of today, I hope that people just think a little bit differently. And if they do, yeah, they are well on their way to finding success and fulfillment in whatever they're searching for mm. in their life. Yeah, I mean, dude, that's why podcasts and books and all these things are so cool because, I mean, I say it in mine, a lot of people say it in their, you know, why are they doing what they do? And we just say, well, the education system and the general thing society teaches us, like, we're missing some things here. Yeah. Like, we gotta, and I think that's why the podcasting world has been incredible for a lot of people because you can throw on 45 minutes of something and be like, wow, okay, well, I didn't know that, but this is really awesome information. And so I want to ask you a follow up here because. It's been on my mind. I mean, you and I both have very lofty, big goals. And I'm sure a lot of people listening to this have very lofty, big goals. And, you know, there's that trick of, of, like you said, there's never going to be a point where you're like, okay, like, yep, because I got this, now I'm like good. Now I'm set. But I think that's how a lot of, and I can fall into this trap, um, but a lot of people will view it. It's like, okay, once my business has, you know, X amount of million dollars in revenue, and once I have a beautiful wife and kids and, you know, this and that, then I'm going to be, then I'm going to be good. And, and it's hard to not convince yourself of that. And so what I want to ask, and I, I love this question. I, I heard it from actually Lewis Howes on the School of Greatness. Nice. But my question is, if, if you were to... If you were to die tomorrow and you could only leave three pieces of information left, everything you know, and you could basically like make a social media post and be like, guys, I'm going out of the world. Here's three things about the brain that you should know that you can use on a daily basis to make your existence and your daily experience better. What three things would you would you leave with, with people? God, I love that. I think number one, and we've touched on this greatly, is that... <clears throat> Your brain is capable of doing anything and everything that you could ever imagine or dream of. And the beauty of that is you have no limits. Sky is the limit. So number one, your brain is always changing and therefore you can always change and you can always get better at whatever it's going to be. Number two, um, there's so much power in being present in the moment, being content, Mm. being okay with where you are. I'm happy, but I'm not fully, you know, at the spot where I think I'm, I'm, the, I'm the best Eric that, that I could be. Mm. And that's what I'm always chasing is I'm always trying to be a better me 
to better other people. And you kind of have to be a little selfish sometimes to be selfless over time. You have to mm. be able to be fulfilled before you can help others be fulfilled to a point, right? There's a reason mm. why you put your mask on uh, in an airplane uh, when oxygen goes down before you put anyone else's on. You have to be able to take care of yourself first before you take care of others. And I would say the last thing for me is if I got taken out and I had to leave the world with you know, one, one last tidbit of information, it would just be, um, you know, understand that you have no idea what other people are bringing to the table and mm. always assume that they might know more than you do. Mm. So when somebody comes to you with a problem or a question or they come to you with advice or things like that, take it and, and learn from it and, and realize that you can learn something from every single person you interact with. It may not be knowledge. Maybe it's, hey, that's a cool combination of pants and shoes. Maybe it's a, maybe it's a, uh, it's something that you learn about their ability to share a conversation. Or maybe it's something that they said to you that was in a very bad or negative way and you can turn it into a positive. You can always be learning and you should always be learning because that's where you're going to really find fulfillment in life is realizing that the person you woke up as, mm. you're going to be different as the person where you go to sleep. Mm. And if you can own all of that, I mean, you're going to be so happy. You're yeah. going to be so successful. And success is not just about money. It's yeah. about fulfillment and doing what you want to do with your life. Um, and, you know, sky's the limit with all of that stuff. And that's what's mm. cool about neuroscience is we don't even know. We don't even know. Like, yeah. we've just barely scratched the surface of what our brains do. Um, so, you know, don't don't close those doors. Keep yeah. them open and, and keep pursuing and keep chasing your dreams because um, the only way you can guarantee you're going to fail is if you stop. Yeah. Man, I mean, my favorite part about what you said there is that you always feel like there's a better version of you that exists. And I feel like this chase the dream um, mantra, like, it isn't even about the dream. It's about just the chase of it. It's about Pursuit. the idea that, and I've said this before too, like, where I don't think success is like a brick wall. I think happiness and your fulfillment comes from the laying of the bricks and over time as you go you see okay yeah my my, my wall is a little bit bigger but you're never gonna stop laying mm -hmm. the bricks you're never gonna you should never stop you're never laying gonna the stop laying the bricks and and it's just it's a beautiful flip in your mind of saying oh like it's not like i'm gonna have this thing and all of a sudden perfect eric is gonna exist it's just i'm cool with where i'm at but I know that tomorrow I can I can lay another brick and I'm gonna be I'm gonna be a little bit better and I'm gonna yeah. be a little bit better and a little bit better and and uh, man I just think that's like a beautiful part about life yeah. is nothing's ever permanent nothing's ever I'm perfect or I'm terrible or I'm this or I'm that it's all it's all an ebb and I mean even for mindfulness too it's all an ebb and flow impermanence yeah. right the Buddhist philosophy of impermanence everything is temporary everything life yeah. itself yeah and that's for better and that's for worse success is temporary failures are temporary my biggest fear in life is getting taken out and getting sent upstairs and opening up those big pearly gates for me right <laughs> like the vip i am <laughs> and i meet the eric that i could have been Ooh. And I have nothing to say, and I can't do anything about it. That is the motivator and the biggest driver for me is I don't know who I could become, and I have to find that out. And that's just me being a little neurotic 
over the fact that I'm, I'm always going to want to be the best I can be. But um, that, that for me is a huge driver motivator because we just don't know who we could be. Yeah. As long as you're on that journey, man, you're going to be happy because you're always growing and changing and figuring it out. Dude, that hits hard. Yeah. That hits real hard. I think I have the same motivator. I, I, I fear deeply regret. I fear deeply not doing things. And I think at times that hurts me because yeah. I'm doing too much. But most of the time, I'm like, you know what? Like, I did this, I've talked about this before on the podcast, this seven levels deep exercise. And you're writing, I want to be successful because... You know, I want a big house. Yeah. And you take that. I want a big house because. Why? Yep. And you get way down deep. And my final answer was basically like, I want to live each day to the best of my ability under that circumstances. To the point where I could say, if I died tomorrow, I would be cool with how I went about. Yeah. And obviously, every day you have, you know, some days you do this, some days you do that. It's not like a, every day you're just, I'm judging, judging, judging. But overall, like, I've asked myself that question. I, I don't know when it started, but for probably about four or five years now, it's like, if I die today, would I be cool with that? And if I can say, yeah, I think, honestly, like, if I died right here on this couch, I can say, you know what? Like, I was, I finished my, my, my days going, going after something, having cool conversations. You know, Heck I yeah. think for me, that is 100%, like, I mean, I, I literally felt emotional when you said that because I was like, man, that is exactly how I, how I feel that and it's a deep, it's like a deep emotion. It's, yeah. it's, you can't, I can't ignore it. Yeah. It is deep. It's, uh, and it's taken me a while to get there to point two. And, um, I don't know. Life is what you make it. Yeah. I think it's just, you just got to own it. Yeah. All right. Well, let's finish being that we're on the couch of dreams and the couch of dreams will make your dreams a reality. No matter, no matter what wish it is. You got to share what, what's on your mind right now. What, what big, <clears throat> what big dreams are you chasing that in the next in the next, you know, one, two, three years that you'd like to see to see become a reality in this world? God, that's a good question. Oh, well, if you ask my girlfriend, uh, <laughs> there's a ring involved. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, honestly, you know, like I, I just want to be happy and I'm happy now. I want to keep growing and, and getting better and, you know, getting married, having kids, all that stuff. Like I'm, I'm really excited to take those steps, but professionally for me too, I just, I think that there's so many people out there who I can help and who need to to be helped. Um, I, at the end of the day, you know, want to build a great business. I want to have a great clinic. I want to have a great consulting company, but it's all about just helping people. And at the end of the day, when that's all said and done, my goal is to just influence as many people as possible in a positive way. And that doesn't, necessarily mean that I have to get everybody that I interact with to make a million dollars or do anything along those lines. I just want people to be happy because I think life is too short for you not to be happy. So, um, you know, I'd like to be able to build my businesses to a point where I can start taking time to, uh, you know, take Fridays off and be with my family, be with my kids, investing in other companies, and more importantly, too, like helping younger individuals pursue their dreams and their goals to even help more people. I mean, look what you're doing with the podcast. Like, you're helping so many people. I love being a part of the mentorship or the leadership component of helping people bring their ideas to the reality of the world and, and, and be profitable so that they can sustain it and help more people. And so my goal is just to help positively influence as many people as possible um, and, and more importantly, to change their brains for better and not for worse.
All right, everyone. I hope you enjoyed that episode. I hope that the plane noise wasn't too much to handle. Um, I know it came in a few times, but you know, I think this episode just had a lot of really good content. The conversation I had with Eric, I really enjoyed. I mean, I feel like a lot of this stuff is just so powerful if you really sit with it and you truly think about the stuff that was said on this episode and on this interview. And so my call to action is just for you to write down the top three takeaways that you had from this interview. Maybe share them with me, share them with a friend, share them on social media, whatever it might be, but really take time to sit down, reflect, think about what you just learned and how you can put it into your own life and put it into action. Because again, like Eric said, we want those brains strong, we want those brains healthy, and we want our minds to think that we can really do whatever we want to do on this earth. And so with that, it's time to go out there and make those dreams a reality, and I will see y'all next time.